today's show, we have Father Scott Rainer in the studio. Uh, it's, and of course, Happy Easter. I was, I was scared you were going to say <laughs> He is coming in for Easter Sunday Jesus, to talk oh, about Father Scott. Father Scott. Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, Jesus, why not? Um, talk about the resurrection and new life. And uh, as, as always with Father Scott, great conversation. I barely have to say a thing. He just He just goes, and it's great. So, Amen to that. Uh, first, we have some biblical bites with Dr. B, who's sitting across from me. Yes, I am. Or <laughs> maybe I'm just chat GPT. Oh, uh, Happy Easter, Renee. <laughs> I was Happy afraid Easter. you were not going to start um, with an Easter greeting. No. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. What? I'm obviously not saying what you want me to say. So, Hallelujah. Um, what I want to do today is Easter Sunday's gospel is always John's account. Okay. The Easter vigil gospel uh, switches between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I was going to say, each of them have the... Account, they all obviously. are they all pretty close to the same uh there yeah they are but there's some differences um yes there's some differences so what i'm going to do today actually i want to look at because what usually happens in most parishes at least in our country um most pre so if, if you're gonna have you can say saturday night's easter vigil gospel on sunday morning you can oh. use either saturday night's gospel the vigil gospel or the Easter Sunday morning gospel okay. free to most priests. Um, so they only have to prepare one homily to be honest. I mean, <laughs> that, and I get it. Holy week's a busy week. Most priests will repeat Saturday night's Easter vigil gospel, have it read. And so they're giving the same homily. Right. Cause if they would do this year, Matthew Saturday night, and then John and Sunday, they have to prepare two homilies and it's a busy week. So the only you might if you have more than one priest in your parish you might it's possible yeah. that you will hear John's right. account right and therefore I'm what I'm going to say is completely see. meaningless <laughs> okay <laughs> because I want to talk about Matthew's account okay, okay. Uh, this is this is the first line so this is the beginning of Matthew chapter twenty this is the, this is the end the beginning of the gospel reading for the Easter vigil this year after the vigil sorry. Turn out good. <laughs> After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Behold, there's a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and so on. But what I want to focus on um, for our purposes today is that the first line, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Um, Renee. Elise, either way, because Renee is always go, already I, looking at you for a lifeline. You get, you get a, there. no, I want to see your Mrs. Hire. microphone. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Who the heck is the other Mary? Uh, you know, oh, Mary Magdalene and you know, the other Mary. That's not what Matthew's that saying. wife of Clopas? Uh, nope. The other Mary, I don't know. Yeah. So in, 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 at the crucifixion, we read um, that at, uh, at the crucifixion, standing at a distance, uh, Matthew tells us, were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, um, and the mother of 
um, James and John. Okay. That's a lot of Marys. Like, can we, can we get some new names for some of these <laughs> ladies? There's more than just Mary. There is more than just Mary. <laughs> Here's the thing. So this is the other, the other Mary is Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Who the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> so Who is that? There, we, um, it might be. So what? there are two Jameses among Jesus' right. disciples. Right. Uh, so James and John. That's uh, James the Greater. Right. And then his brother, John. And and their mom is there because we're mother, the mother of James and John were there. Uh, so it might be. So it might be the case. This seems to be, to me, the best guess. This Mary is the mother of Jesus' other disciple J- named James, James the Lesser. Mm-hmm. And his brother, Joseph. Okay. But we're not sure. <laughs> this is where, to me, one of those, like, you would think that, but we'd have no definitive, as far as, as, far as I'm aware. Right. They'd, but that's the, that's not the most important thing about okay. this reading. Okay. But we have less than a minute. <laughs> After the Sabbath, the first day of the week was dawning. Mary, Magdalene, and Mary came. What, the resurrection happens on the first day of the week, Sunday. Not the Sabbath day, right? So uh, this is this is part of, and, and so forever Sunday has been called the the eighth day. Um, the the on the first day God created the eighth day. It's kind of like the first, also the first day, is the day of the new creation. So after the Sabbath, when God rests, we now have the eighth day, the first day come again. But it's the day, the day of the new creation where, because it is the day of the Lord, Jesus rose from the dead, we have new life in it. That's good stuff. Off the pop. In the studio with me today is Father Scott Trainer back again. Welcome, Father Scott. Thanks, Renee. So great to be here. Yeah, I can't remember. Where the, it hasn't been that long since you've been here, but long enough. We need to have you on like at least once a month. Awesome. <laughs> I'm there. People are like, yes, please. So as this is airing, it is Easter Sunday. So Woo-hoo. happy Easter, everyone. Um, Father Scott is going to talk to us today about the resurrection, which of course is today in the liturgical calendar, and about new life, which is brought about by the resurrection. So he's being so quiet at the moment, but get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Put your seatbelts on and hang on to your seats. So, Father Scott, will you start with first, um, why does the resurrection matter? Because oh. we know it matters. Yeah. But, <laughs> but why? It does matter. Like, So, for example, the liturgical celebration of the resurrection Easter, yes. right? Easter Sunday, that is such the central event of our salvation mm-hmm. that the church explodes that one calendar day into eight liturgical days. Yeah, the octave right. of Easter. It is Easter Mm-hmm. day for the next eight days. And then that launches a whole season of celebration of the resurrection. Right. We call the Easter season all the way to Pentecost. Yes. yes. So yeah, it's important. Leave your Easter decorations up, Leave people. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, I mean, there's lots of things to say about that. Like, you know, St. Paul says, um, if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is vain and your faith is in vain. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get more blunt than that. Right. So that, that should give us pause. If we're not like, if everyone who's listening or watching isn't just like, oh, yeah, I mean, the resurrection makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. That statement from St. Paul gives us pause, right? Like, yeah. oh, maybe there's something more for me to receive. Yeah, yeah. And I want to welcome this awesome gift yeah. uh, more into my life. I so, think we tend to blow by it just because yeah. we see it every year. Uh, We're like, ah, okay. <laughs> right. So uh, 
right on. It's super important. And like, why does it make all the difference? Because Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, has conquered death and robbed it of life. Right. And death is the greatest calamity that has come to the world. Mm -hmm. So death never had a part in God's creative plan. Right. Death came into the world through sin. So, uh, and, you know, if, if, if death just has the last word, mm-hmm. life becomes absurd really quick. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's one thing that uh, if I'm having difficulties or challenges or I'm suffering in life, when we have this sure hope of eternal life that Christ has made possible by his suffering and death and resurrection, mm-hmm. then there is a foundation of hope. If death just has the last word, like whatever happens in this life happens, and then death, and then that's it. Right. Uh, life becomes just absurd and meaningless mm-hmm. very quickly. So, you know, in the Enlightenment, as philosophy, different philosophies grew up at, in post-Enlightenment, you know, we had nihilism, right? So Nietzsche. Nietzsche is a philosopher who declared God is dead mm-hmm. and had no belief in the afterlife. And so what are you left with if death just has last word? You're left with nihilism. Nothing matters. And so how do I go day by day? And his answer was will to power. Mm-hmm. You do what you want, yep. period. Yep. And if you just have the will to do it and the courage just to do what you want, that's the best we can hope for in this life because this life is all there. Yep. And it doesn't really matter who's in your way. And that's right. Yeah. That's right. So if some <laughs> people aren't like dyed in the wool nihilists like Nietzsche, they mm-hmm. might be just like, well, yeah, you should, I should basically do what I want. And as long as I don't hurt other people. But even that, that foundation for morality of what's right and wrong disappears if this life is all there is. Right, right. So uh, death came into the world because of sin. Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death by the glory of his resurrection. And he invites us to share in that victory, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just that he rose from the dead, but he is to be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. So the whole theology of baptism is that in the waters of baptism, we enter into the tomb with Christ. We're buried with Christ in his death, in a death like his, so that we can share in the victory of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. So we are called to this newness of life that he makes possible by his resurrection. I'm thinking of, um, so a couple thing, more things about that. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, you know, uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, mm-hmm. the one who's seated on the throne, Jesus risen in glory, and ascended in heaven says, behold, I make all things new. Yeah. So for those who are fans of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, mm-hmm. uh, in the artistic uh, beauty of that movie, they take that line from Revelation 21, Jesus in glory, and place it as he's fallen for the third time. And Mary, his mother, is in anguish and wanting to go to her son and comfort him. But, you know, like her heart, it's so hard because he, she sees him suffering so much. And she finally gets the courage to come to him. And from, you know, underneath the cross, Beaten as he is, he says, behold, mother, behold, make all things new. Mm-hmm. And like he rises up in that moment. Yeah. And this is a, obviously it's artistic license to take that. And you know, move that it. Was, that wasn't in the Gospels. <laughs> Jesus didn't say right. that during the cross. However, uh, it's so appropriate because scripture does tell us that Jesus freely laid down his life. No one took it from him. Right. He gave his life out of love for us that we might live forever mm-hmm. and make, he may make all things new in that exact way. And uh, that he embraced the cross, despising its shame for the sake of the hope that lay before us. So Jesus uh, trustingly abandons himself to the Father's providence, and that trust is vindicated in the glory of the resurrection. Right, right. 
the last thing I'd say is uh, just to start our conversation today, why is the resurrection important? Uh, is because it demonstrates that Jesus is God. Yes, yes. This is like really important, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, so some of our listeners might be familiar with um, C.S. Lewis's trilemma. Jesus Christ, is he the Lord or is he a liar or is he a lunatic? Because mm-hmm. Jesus clearly claimed to be God. He took the name of God, I am, mm-hmm. Yahweh, and he applied it to himself. Yeah. And everyone in his day fully understood that's why he was, he, that's what he yeah. was doing. That would have been way more apparent to them than yes, to us. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they accused him of blasphemy. Right. He's claiming to be God, mm-hmm. clearly and unambiguously. Right. And he's claiming to be God, and he says that he is going to be handed over, the Gentiles, and suffer and die, but on the third day, rise again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, so what's the what are the logical possibilities around such claims? Yeah. One is that he is the Lord. He is God. Yes. He said it, and he did it. And in the resurrection, that's what we see. He mm-hmm. is the Lord. Or uh, he thought he was God, uh, but he really wasn't. Right. So he's a lunatic. <laughs> right. Or he knew he wasn't God, but said he was God. <laughs> so he's a liar. Right. right. So in that lineup, that logical set of possibilities, what's not possible is that Jesus is just a wise teacher mm-hmm. like, you know, Muhammad or uh, Buddha or Martin Luther King or right. whoever or Oprah. <laughs> Is some I'll, wisdom figure <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that we should that we might follow his advice. That's not possible, right? Because if he's a liar or a lunatic, you don't follow liars or lunatics right. and like for especially advice to, how to your death. Life. That's right, as the apostles did, right? Yeah. In the most right, the most consequential reality of life, right? And but if he's the Lord, oh, then I can place all my trust in His word because God has said it, and He right. So that Jesus rose from the dead is a vindication of His claims to be God. Mm-hmm. Thanks be to God. Yes. So we have such a great savior and he has the power to make all things new. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, well, so that those are a few points that come to mind when you say, Oh, why is the resurrection? important? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you had mentioned that you have a, you have a piece from the, uh, a homily, an old homily. Oh yeah. 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 So you had been reading that, uh, earlier and we were like, Oh my gosh, that's really cool. Uh, I know I'd heard it somewhere before, but you said it's part of the divine the divine office. The liturgy of the liturgy hours. Of the hours. Yeah, yes, the that's right. That's yeah, right. it's from the office readings on Holy Saturday. Yes. So this day where Jesus has died and he's in the tomb and he descends into the dead, and this ancient author, if you if our listeners if they Google uh, an ancient homily from Holy Saturday, mm-hmm. they'll probably find that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so this person is picturing what Jesus as he goes down into the abode of the dead to Sheol, he descended into. Uh, as he's addressing Adam and Eve, our first parents, right. so addressing all of humanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just listen to this as a, by way of meditation. Jesus says, I am your God, who for your sake have become your son. Out of love for you and your descendants, I now, by my own authority, command all who are held in bondage to come forth, so that the dead may rise to life. All who are in darkness to be enlightened and all who are sleeping to arise. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, with his victory over death, comes with his divine authority to make us sharers in that victory. So it goes on. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be held prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. Rise up, O work of my hands, you who were created in my image. Rise, let us leave this place, for you are in me and I in you. Together, 
we form one person and cannot be separated. That's a beautiful articulation of that. Like we are sharers yes. in Christ's uh, victory over death by virtue of our baptism. And so he doesn't want us to remain in any of the effects of sin. Right. N- neither death, right? He doesn't want us to remain in death, but to rather open for us the gates of eternal life. Nor does he want us to remain in any of the other miseries that came into the world as a consequence of sin. And the idea is if he's conquered even death, he's conquered overwhelmingly all these other right. forms of suffering. Right. So suffering and death were never part of God's creative plan. They all came into the world through sin. Jesus, by his own life, suffering, death, and glorious resurrection, has conquered sin and death and all the other effects of sin as well. Right. Because uh, every other suffering is just a foretaste of the greatest suffering. Right. And so uh, Jesus' desire, rise, let us leave this place. So if, if I'm carrying, you know, I think of the consequences of original sin. Mm-hmm. We see Adam and Eve in shame and self-recrimination, and hiding away from God, and refusing to admit sin, and, uh, blaming each other and blaming God and engaged in the spiritual combat and being disrupted in their own relationship with each right. other's husband and wife and things that none of us are ever familiar with. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> wait all of us are totally <laughs> yes. familiar with, right? Those are all a consequence and toil, like work becomes toil, uh, pain is increased, and finally death, right. right? These are, you read closely Genesis chapter three, these are the consequences of sin. Well, the love, the redeeming love of Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, has conquered overwhelmingly all those forms of suffering. So Jesus doesn't want us to remain in that place of hellishness ever, right. but by the power of his resurrection to be set free and become a new creation, rise to new life in him. This homily goes on. How did Jesus accomplish this? See on my face the spittle I received in order to restore you to you the life I once breathed into you. See there the marks of the blows I received in order to refashion your warped nature in my image. On my back, Mm-hmm. Uh, see the marks of the scourging I endured to remove the burden of sin that weighs upon your back. So this is like a great meditation. By his stripes, we have been healed, oh, yeah. as we read in yeah. the letter to the Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Right? Stripes we've been see my hands nailed firmly to a tree for you who once wickedly stretched out your hand to a tree. Right. Um, my side has healed the pain in yours. My sleep will rouse you from your sleep in hell. The sword that pierced me has sheathed the sword that was turned against you, the flaming wow. sword that kept Adam and Eve from the paradise of evil. Mm-hmm. And then finally this conclusion, rise, as he says, he's in this place of death. Rise, let us leave this place. The enemy led you out of the earthly paradise. I will not restore you to that paradise, but will enthrone you in heaven. I forbade you the tree that was only a symbol of love, but see, I who am Life itself am now one with you. I appointed cherubim to guard you as slaves are are guarded, but now I make them worship you as God. The throne formed by cherubim awaits you, its bearers swift and eager. The bridal chamber is adorned. The banquet is ready. The eternal dwelling places are prepared. The treasure houses of all good things lie open. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for you from all eternity. That's why the resurrection matters. Yeah. That is a generous God right there. Right, yes. That's just the generosity is overwhelming, really. It's yeah. far beyond anything we can ask or imagine. Yeah. However much any of us thinks that God loves us and believes <laughs> that, yes, thanks be to God for that faith and belief, but Lord, help my unbelief. Strengthen my faith yeah. in your lavish generosity 
the unbelievable expanse and richness of your saving and redeeming love. Yeah. Yeah. That was really awesome. <gasps> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So new life comes from the resurrection. Amen. So two things. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it mean to have new life? And what does that look like? Like in a regular Catholic's life, what, sh- what, if we think we have new life, what should we be doing or look like? Yeah. yeah. So there's a couple different ways to answer that. Another big yeah, uh, question. I know. For and with five ago. minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> One is uh, just to think of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a new life in the Holy Spirit. We're baptized. We come to life in the Holy Spirit by virtue of our baptism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, understanding, and self-control. So if I'm entering into this gift of new life today that Jesus offers me in the power of his resurrection, Mm -hmm. more and more those fruits should be characteristic of my day-to-day interactions. So if I have some relationship or some situation in my life where those seem to be absent, I can turn to Jesus Christ risen in glory and say, Lord, bring the light of your glory to shine in this darkness where I'm not at peace, Mm -hmm. where I'm not generous, where I'm finding it difficult to be patient or kind. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So there's a great exchange that's offered to us. We bring our death. Jesus gives us new life. I can bring my lack of peace and receive peace. I can bring my lack of joy, my sorrow, and trade it in for his joy. Mm -hmm. I can, like, you name it. Yeah. Right? That great exchange to live life in the spirit is available to us every day. Right. Another way to articulate that newness is to read the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter Mm 5 through verses uh, chapter 7, I think, 5, 6, and 7. And that's where Jesus is like, Love your neighbor. Yes. Pray for your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all the like stuff. all the things, yeah, right? Yeah. And you've heard it that it's said, but I say to you, he mm-hmm. raises that bar. That's not just a, like a litany of things that we have to try harder to try hard to do because we can't, <laughs> right? <laughs> totally But what true. Jesus is describing in the Sermon on the Mount is a life transfigured in the glory of his resurrection. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? That is the, that's a picture of what new life in Christ right. looks like. Right. So again, wherever I see in my current relationships and circumstances today, if I'm lacking, if I'm not living that way, uh, sorry, I'm looking because our lights are flickering again, like when the power went out before. <laughs> if I'm not living that way right now, there's a gift for me to receive from Jesus who's right. risen from the dead. Right. So, it, and it's just that concrete. Like if I'm, if I'm reading those things in scripture, I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't quite that match up with my life today. Yeah. The recourse is to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, here's how I am. But you call me to this life, please. Yeah. Do whatever you need to do in me. I'm sorry. I'm turning to you and help me to live this new life by yeah. the power of your love and Holy Spirit. So we really just need to be more aware of the things we're doing. And when it's not the right thing, which maybe we need to be, sometimes we need to be formed more to recognize yeah. those things even. Mm-hmm. But, and then to actually ask for the things we need instead of just pretending that God doesn't exist and we're just going to go about our life. That's right. Because we tend to do that. It's easy to do. Yeah. Right, right. Because we live in a world of distractions, things that are clamoring for our attention. Yeah. They're much more immediate seemingly. Yeah. A simple way maybe to sum that up is, you know, uh, John 10.10, Jesus says, this thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and life to the full. Mm -hmm. And then in John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says, I tell you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm like looking in the mirror, brushing my teeth in the morning, if my life seems a little bit more like steal, kill, and destroy, like that's, like I'm, I'm under the gun, I'm suffering. I'm like, not that we're doing those things. Right. Like, I was like, like, wow. I'm getting beat up over here, you know? <laughs> you know, like life's yes. rough. Yes. And it doesn't Sometimes feel, it, it is. doesn't, right. And it doesn't feel like life and life to the full. That's an indication like, oh, 
there's something more that Jesus has prepared for me and wants me to receive from him. Right. And so he teaches us to seek and knock and ask right. for that better thing. If I wake up in the morning, I'm brushing my teeth, uh, and I'm not like, oh, the joy of Jesus is in my heart. My joy is complete. <laughs> well, the good news is there's just something more for us to receive from him. Yeah. But it does take that recognition. Yeah. Because if I'm just numb, or if I'm either resigned to that misery, that pain, the shame, the hiding away, the blaming, all the disorder that comes uh, from sin, from the beginning, uh, in the, from original sin mm-hmm. and our own personal sins. If I'm just kind of resigned to that, I don't really think there can be something better. Or I just be, I become numb to it and I don't even recognize that this isn't the way I wish it were. Then we're never going to make that turn to Jesus and ask. Yeah. So it has to be a recognition of our need met with the confidence and hope that Jesus has already met that need by his suffering and death and the glory of his resurrection and desires to bring that gift to bear. Yeah. The prologue of the Gospel of John uh, talks about Jesus, the eternal word, who is the light of the world, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. Mm-hmm. If I'm experiencing any darkness, again, I recognize the darkness is darkness. I can turn to Jesus as the light that even death cannot like he's, he conquered death. Death, death did not conquer him. Mm-hmm. And I can ask that victory to be brought to bear, that victory to be brought to bear in whatever darkness I'm experiencing. Right, right. And I think we should remember, too, that although we can turn to Jesus anywhere we are, one of the best places is in the Eucharist. Amen. And go to adoration, mass, whatever, places like that. So at every mass, yes, the whole saving mystery of Christ, mm-hmm. including the glory of his resurrection and the power yep. of the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost, is made present and effective for us. Right. At the uh, institutional, at the Last Supper, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. That word is anamnesis, which in English sounds like unamnesia. Oh, right, right. yep. It's a special spiritual remembering that makes the saving action of God present and effective for us today. So our Jewish brothers and sisters who celebrated Passover this last week, uh, they believe that, uh, any Jew who celebrates Passover today becomes a member of the generation of the Exodus by animus. Right, right. Right. That this past saving action of God is made present and effective for us today. Mm-hmm. And that's what the church believes in the fulfillment of the Exodus in Christ, who has set us free, not just from slavery to freedom, but set us free from sin to uh, righteousness, set us free from death to eternal life. Mm-hmm. Right? The greatest mm-hmm. Exodus in Passover. Uh, he, that, that, saving action of God once for all in Christ is made present and effective for us at every place. Right. So right. it's a great place to bring the lack of the fullness of life, the lack of joy, the lack of whatever my need is, mm-hmm. the darkness, mm-hmm. and to place that on the altar and receive the power of Christ's saving, redemptive love, yep. the glory of his resurrection, be, have that be brought to bear for me today yep. as I go to the mass. And walk out of there with a ton of joy and yes. hope. Amen. Please. <laughs> Father Scott, we are out of time, ah. I suppose. I know we could talk, we could like literally do this for probably at least another half hour. Well, like the church is going to do it for at least the next 50 days. So. <laughs> That's true. Anyway. They have a lot to say about this stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Renee. You bet. Uh, you can always find us at our website at sfcatholic.org anytime. And uh, just before we go, have a very blessed Easter season. And seriously, leave the Easter decorations up to remind yourself that Jesus is indeed present. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.